Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you would turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 24. Matthew chapter 24, we're going to start in verse 15 today. Do you long for heaven this morning? Amen. I don't know if I want to be there today. (laughs) Actually, it'd be a lot better. It'd be a lot better. Do we really long for heaven? Um, There's a lot of curiosity that we have about the future, about our final destination, about the things that are going to happen before the return of Christ. And the Bible does not leave us Um, with no information, um, the Bible does give us some information about um, what we uh, should expect before he comes. Uh, We've already looked at the start of the Olivet Discourse, beginning in verse 4 of chapter 24. And this is a continuation of what he's already been saying. Some of the same themes we're going to see as what we saw two weeks ago when we began the Olivet Discourse. Um, And uh, I just have to say at the beginning, this is a difficult section of Matthew. This is a difficult section of the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, of Jesus' teaching. Uh, There are so many different views. There's so many uh, disagreements about what all these things exactly mean. So um, if if you've understood something differently than what I do, be a Berean. Do you know what I mean by be a Berean? In the book of Acts, um, Paul uh, traveled through... uh, Macedonia and into Greece, and uh, he went from Thessalonia, where he planted a church, to Berea, and the text tells us that the Bereans were more noble than the Thessalonians because they searched the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So don't take my word for it as I, as I try to explain what this difficult passage says Search the scriptures for yourselves to see if these things are so. So let's dive in to what Jesus has to say. We'll go ahead and read our scripture text beginning in verse 15. So when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is in his house. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. And alas, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that your flight may not be in winter or on on a Sabbath. For then there will be Great tribulation, such as has not been for, from the beginning of the world until now, and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. 
If then, if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders, so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand, so if they say to you, look, here he is in the wilderness, do not go out. If they say, look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is, the vultures will be gathered. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. And this passage before us is difficult. I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear. I pray that you would enlighten our minds that we could understand what your word says to us. Lord, we humbly bow before you. We tremble at your word. May we submit to what your word says. Lord, help me, give me grace as I preach your word in Jesus' name. Amen. So we begin with this abomination of desolation. He says, so when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. So we have this reference that Jesus makes to the passage that Uh, Ron read from, from Daniel chapter 11. And actually, uh, Daniel mentions this abomination of desolation four different times. He also mentions it in chapter 12, uh, which Ron read from two weeks ago. Um, In chapter 11, most likely uh, of Daniel, chapter 11 of Daniel, most likely it's dealing with what happened in the intertestamental period between the Old and the New Testaments uh, when, you, when you have what took place with the Maccabean Revolt, if you've heard of that. And Antiochus Epiphanes uh, was this Greek leader who came in and he, uh, he, he ended all of the sacrifice that was taking place And he also sacrificed a pig on the altar in the temple of God. That was was making the holy place unholy. It was was an abomination of desolation uh, in Daniel's words and in the words of Jesus here uh, because it was something that was unholy taking place in the place that should have been holy. And so Jesus talks about that same idea of of, um, something that was an abomination, something that was unholy being where it should not be. Uh, Daniel chapter 12 may actually be a closer fit to what Jesus is referring to here because it talks about uh, when this abomination of desolation comes that the the sacrifices will cease. And what Jesus says here, so when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. 
When it says here, let the reader understand, I don't think it's talking about the reader of Matthew here, but it's those who are reading Daniel. So Jesus here is saying, you've read Daniel. And these are mysterious visions that are hard to understand. And so what Jesus is saying, when this thing takes place, when you see this abomination of desolation, that's what Daniel wrote about. I think that's what Jesus here is saying in this little aside where he says, let the reader understand. Now, what is this referring to? Is this talking about something future that we are to look forward to? Because remember, as we looked at the earlier verses in uh, verse 3 through verse 14, a lot of what Jesus here is talking about is the destruction of the temple of Jerusalem. in Jerusalem. You have... Um, Jesus, in in the first three verses, saying to his disciples that uh, at the temple, all of the stones would be torn down from one another, that there wouldn't be one laying on top of another, that this temple would be destroyed. And the disciples asked, when will these things be? And when will be the sign of your coming? So Jesus, as he's giving the Olivet Discourse, there's a mixture of both. Some of the things he's talking about the destruction of the temple and some of the things he's pointing forward and talking about the end times and all of the time that we have between his ascension and his coming again. So all that to say, this is tough. (laughs) This is difficult to understand. Now, Jesus here gives a warning about what the people are supposed to do whenever they see this abomination of desolation. He says, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down and take what is in his house. And let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. He's warning that this is, this is a sign that something bad is going to happen and that they need to get out of there and there's no time to wait around. Don't go grab what you need, but instead just leave and leave with, with all of your possessions behind you. Kind of like whenever Lot and his family had to leave Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, Luke also has a parallel passage, and I don't, I don't remember. I think it was Luke 21, but I can't say for sure. Luke 21 has a parallel passage to this. Mark and Luke both do. Uh, when Mark has it, it says, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel standing where he should not. So it, it removes that word, the holy place. And in Luke... It doesn't say this when you see the abomination of desolation. Instead, it says when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies. So for that reason, I think that what Jesus is describing here is the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. So when the armies started to surround Jerusalem and uh, they were getting ready to come and destroy it, which took place historically in 70 AD, um, Jesus said, when you see that happen, run. You need to get out of here so that you will survive. 
He says, let those who are on... Let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down and take what is in his house. Let the one who is in the field not turn back to get his cloak. So the kind of urgency that he's seeing here is like, you know, if you've got a fire in your house, but you remember, oh, I've got, uh, I've got, all of these valuables that I need to carry out with me, it's, it's, those valuables can burn. Because what's important is your life. Um, instead of going and getting what's, what you want to hold on to that may be sentimentally valuable, no, get out with your life. There's not time. And when Jesus says, let the one who is on the housetop not go down, he's saying, no, don't run back into the house and get what you need. Get out of there as fast as you can. And the one in the field... Don't run back to your house. Leave. Get out of there as soon as you can. And he says here in um, verse 19, And alas for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, it was going to be especially hard for those. The conditions that it was going to be in uh, for, for women who would be pregnant or nursing to try to flee in the midst of such danger. Jesus then says, pray that your flight may not be in winter or on a Sabbath. The winter or or bad weather would have made things difficult for travel to try to flee out of Jerusalem. A Sabbath would have made it complicated, especially for those who were following the Jewish laws still in 70 A.D., where they practiced a strict Sabbath. If it happened on the Sabbath, then they were only allowed to travel so far, a Sabbath day's journey. They needed to be able to go and just keep on going to get as far away from Jerusalem as possible. Jesus told them to pray that their flight may not be in winter or on a Sabbath. And then he says, For then there will be great tribulation such as has not been from the beginning of the world until now and never will be. Now, with these words, often it's taken as something that will happen in some future time. But consider this. If it's happening at the end when Jesus comes back, what would be the necessity of saying, And it never will be. Of course it never will be. Because Jesus is back. He's returned. And um, he's going to set up his kingdom. And there will no longer be any crying or pain. So because of of that, and because we've been in this context of probably talking about the, the, um, um, the destruction of Jerusalem... Um, I think it's probably best to take this about the destruction of Jerusalem and how bad it was, how bad this tribulation, this difficulty, this trials were for the people who were in Jerusalem at that time. Now, you may think, well, what about the Holocaust? Six million Jews. Wouldn't we be able to say that that's worse than what took place in Jerusalem in 70 A.D.? Well, the commentary that I read said, yeah, yeah yes, that's, that's something that's very, very bad. But when you consider the population of one city, 
The percentage of the population of one city. No, Jerusalem was totally decimated. They didn't leave survivors. Jesus told them, get out of there because it is going to be so bad. Everyone who's there will be killed. It's not going to be anything like anyone has ever seen before. Jesus says, and if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. Thankfully, God had mercy. God had mercy. It was so bad for Jerusalem at that time. If, if God hadn't cut short this, this destruction, this uh, um, surrounding of Jerusalem, that not even the believers would have been saved. But for the sake of the believers that were there in Jerusalem at the time, for those who could not get out, God cut those days short. Now, this is my understanding of how, what this passage is talking about. Again, be a Berean. If this does not sound like it to, to you, it's perfectly fine for you to disagree with me on this passage. You know what? I believe that Jesus is coming again. I believe that he, uh, when he comes again, he will come personally, bodily, visibly, and we're all going to see him on that day. Amen. That we're going to be caught up in the air to meet him. I believe that he is going to raise to life everyone who has ever died, and the unjust will be sent into hell, and the righteous will reign with him forever. Those are the essential things that I think we can all agree on, where regardless of how we see this particular text. Let's move on here. I think Jesus then changes his perception, the, 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 the focus of what he's talking about. From up to verse 20, 22, I think he's been talking about the destruction of Jerusalem, but then he widens his lens and he goes back and he talks more about the age from the time of his ascension until he returns again. And during this time between the times, during this present evil age, what should we expect? Verse 23, Then if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. When we have people like David Koresh and others who come and they claim to be the Christ, don't believe them. Don't believe them. That is what Jesus tells us. Don't believe it when somebody comes and says, well, I'm the Christ. And then he says, for false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders. These false teachers, these false prophets, they're going to look real. They'll perform signs and wonders. Signs and wonders are not a sign of authenticity. You might see somebody who's, who's claiming to have this miracle, uh, gift of miracles today. And claiming to be able to heal people and things like that. Now, I'm not saying that God doesn't heal people. But 
Just because someone performs what they say are signs and miracles does not mean it's from God. Think of Moses. Moses, he, he threw his staff down on the ground before Pharaoh and it turned into a snake. And then what happened? Pharaoh's magicians did the same thing. And their, their um, rods were able to turn into snakes as well. Believers, brothers and sisters, be warned about anyone who would claim their, their sign of authenticity is because they do something that is a sign or a wonder. The authenticity is not in signs and wonders. It's in how faithful someone is to this book. Are they faithful to this book? Signs and wonders can be manipulated. People can do magic tricks. And they can lead many astray. But this book will not lead us astray. Verse 20, oh, continuing verse 24. So as to lead, this is what the signs and wonders are doing. So as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. The goal of these signs and wonders is to try to lead people astray. And if it were possible, he would even, they would even lead believers away. And many professed believers may even for a time fall into that trap. But Jesus will hold on to his people. He will not let us ultimately fall under the sway of these false teachers. As he says, if it were possible, even the elect, which I would say that means it's not possible. The false teachers would try but they won't be successful. For those who are true believers, who have been born again, these false teachers are trying in vain. Because we've been warned. Jesus has told us beforehand to expect what they would do. Verse 26, So if they say, Look, here He is in the wilderness, do not go out. And if they say, Look, here He is in inner rooms, do not believe it. Here, again, it's talking about false Christs and false prophets. And notice what it says about them. Here in the wilderness or here in inner rooms. These private places where you have to go out and go out of your way to go and find this person. Like a camp in Waco or something like that. When Jesus comes, it's not going to be in some private place. It's not going to be someplace out in the wilderness where you have to go and find some, some guru someplace. It's not going to be in some private thing, some Gnostic idea where you have to get this private revelation. No, when Jesus comes, it's going to be where every eye will see. And that's what he says here in the next verse. Verse 27, For lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west so will be the coming of the Son of Man. We had a nice storm last night. When the, lightning shot, when the lightning flashes in one direction, over on one side, it'll light up the whole sky. It'll light up all the way to the other end of the horizon. And so it will be whenever Jesus comes. When He comes, 
everyone's going to know. From Jerusalem to San Francisco. From Antarctica to Juneau, Alaska. Everyone will see it when he comes. We can have all kinds of speculation about what that might look like, but the one thing that we cannot ignore is that when Jesus really comes, it's going to be absolutely, completely obvious. No need to go look for some hidden teacher. No need to look for some, somebody hiding out someplace. No, when He comes, He is going to come and you won't mistake Him. He's going to be the one with the white hair, riding on a white horse, with a sword coming out of His mouth. And he's going to put every, all of his enemies under his feet. And this last verse here is confusing to us. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. What is that supposed to mean? <laughs> There's different guesses about what it is, but basically you get the idea. You know, you see some dead animal on the side of the road, roadkill, and... When you see that, you know that the vultures are going to be gathering and coming down and picking the meat off of the flesh. Sorry if I'm grossing anyone out. But when it happens, there's going to be a sign. When He comes, we'll see the signs. Just like when there's a corpse, there's going to be vultures. When He comes, there's going to be a sign. Does that make sense? When He comes, there will be signs and we won't be able to miss it. When we see a vulture circling in the air, we know what has happened. There's something dead. When He comes, we're going to see the signs. They're going to be unmistakable. So, what's the application here? What should we do because of what we've seen here? One, I believe we have been warned beforehand. When we see things that trouble us in the news, we can stay confident and secure because we know that God holds the end times in His hands and it's going to happen the way He laid out and He is going to hold His people in His hands and nothing will drag them away. We don't have to be afraid of any tribulation or turmoil that may come our way. He is going to preserve us through anything that we face. What other application? We are warned that false teachers are going to be everywhere. We need to watch out for false teachers. Not just those who are obvious, but some who are less obvious, some who would claim to be a part of the church. Those who call themselves Christians, but who have completely denied Christian teaching. And you don't have to look far for that. You don't have to look far. Just watch the news and see what's going on in some denominations. And it's not about denomination necessarily. But whenever you have 
groups of Christians who were calling on things, or groups who claim to be Christian who were calling for things that do not match up with the Bible, we are warned there will be false teachers. Watch out. And finally, we have a hope. Jesus is coming. He will return, and when He comes, we're going to see Him. If we die, we're going to be raised to life. Our graves will be opened. We will see Him with glorified eyes. And when He comes, there will no longer be any crying or pain, no longer be any sickness or death. We will, he, when He comes, we will be totally comforted and we will no longer have sin, suffering, and sickness. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.